Patriots has a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth. So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not going to stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people on RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, the 16th of January. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig, and are you still frozen like a popsicle? Oh, no, it was a balmy 16 degrees above zero today. Oh, dear. Okay, break out the shorts and the uh, suntan lotion. Absolutely. People sitting outside in lawn chairs. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's north central Nebraska and it's January. What do you want? That's true. That's true. We're getting a cold front on Friday. It's going to go down into the low 50s at night and just be in the 60s during the day. My heart bleeds. (laughs) It's all part of paradise. Hey, before (laughs) we get into uh, what we got going on tonight, just a friendly reminder to the listeners and uh, the pod people, Uh, who pick up the podcast, this Friday, uh, we've got a very special guest. Mudar Zakran is going to be our guest for the entire show on Friday. He is the Secretary General of the Jordanian Opposition Coalition. And, Diane, he always brings us so much inside, kind of behind-the-curtain knowledge of what's going on in the Middle East. And Friday, he's going to kind of focus on the whole Israel versus Hamas situation. Right. And uh, people need to understand that Mudar, as a Palestinian, is against Hamas and what's going on in Gaza right now. Not on the sense of what Israel is doing, but that his own people voted these barbarians into power. Yeah, I mean, he is a wealth of knowledge. He's been a longtime friend of ours personally and also of the show. Um, Mm -hmm. We were going to have him on in December, but then he got ill and had laryngitis, and he couldn't hardly squeak, much less talk. So, uh, you know, we kind of backed it off, and we got in contact with him last week and, and said, how about this coming Friday? And he said, I'll be there. Yeah. So it should be very interesting. You know, you'll hear things from a Palestinian viewpoint, but not your typical Palestinian. No, and Mudar has a lot of contacts, a lot of, you know, he knows a lot of people. He's not only going to talk about that situation, uh, you know, from the standpoint of what we know and and what we don't know. He's also going to be talking about, other countries like China and the effect they're having 
on yes. the situation over there. So it's going to be a fascinating hour this Friday. You do not want to miss it. Yes, true. All right, All right Diane, tonight you are talking about pulling out their bag of tricks. Mm-hmm. I've got you know. It's a loaded bag. It is a loaded bag. I've got DEI is designed to fail. Because mm-hmm. this DEI thing is getting ridiculous. Yes, it is. It's, it's just it's out of control. But before we yes, get to any of that, we got a couple of things we want to talk about here in the first segment. Let's start with last night in Iowa, the Iowa caucus. Yes. Now, I personally do not want to go too much into detail because Monday I have an entire article coming about out, I should say, about the specifics of certain things that happened and didn't happen. So I'm just going to discuss it in generalities because of that. Right. Right. And that's fine, you know, Mm -hmm. but but we do need to talk about you know, what went on, the winners, the losers, yes, um, all that kind of thing. Um, last night, uh, Donald Trump won 98 of the 99 counties, and the one he lost, he lost by one vote. Right. And that's totally amazing. It was the biggest win in Iowa caucus history, but it comes, and I will deal with this on Monday, with some caveats that could end up being pretty serious. Well, and, you know, when you look at the numbers, um, he became the first candidate in the Republican caucus to ever top 50% in a contested race. Right. You know, and, you know, you think about it, that's pretty amazing. I mean, when you think of some of the Republican candidates that have gone through that that caucus situation in Iowa in the past, it's really kind of startling that he's the first one to top 50%. Yes, he made it to 51%. Um, but I see a certain other thing in that he got 51 percent not the 65 percent he had been heralding all along right he did get it by 51 percent if you add up ron DeSantis's total and he beat nikki haley he came in second place if you take his 21 percent add in nikki haley who came in um third with her 19 percent and then you add in vivek ramaslami's seven or eight percent and asa hutchinson's one percent you basically have the state of iowa yes they picked donald trump but they really don't want a trump biden rematch well and that's true and if you look at the numbers nationally okay it comes in at about 74 i think 74 percent of voters and this goes across party lines this includes democrats and republicans 74 mm-hmm. percent of voters do not want to see that rematch but yes here we are you know here we are um oh. it, it's interesting let's also look at the before we delve more into that let's look at the numbers between Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, it was, uh, you know, a DeSantis second place win by 
two points, which is pretty right. close. And Diane, I think as we move forward throughout the primary process, you know, over the next several months, I think those races between DeSantis and Haley are going to remain pretty close. And I think, you know, Haley's going to going to win uh, second place in some of those. And I think DeSantis is going to win second place in some of right. those. But I see that as a very tight field. Yeah, it could very well be. And I uh, and Iowa really set the tone for that because, unfortunately, folks, it's not a real, true count because this caucus was the lowest attended caucus in decades with less than one in five registered Republicans actually voting because of the blizzard, the winds, the snow. You understand why people weren't, if some of them literally weren't able to go out, they're buried in snow. Um, so I don't really believe this is a true representation of Iowa, if you only get one in five registered voters voting? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Now, I, I can't really speak for Iowans. Uh, right. I've, I've never been an Iowan. Uh, you know, I live next door to Iowans. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you look at, at the Midwest region as a whole, it's pretty heavily weighted Trump. I was telling Diane earlier today, I was up in South Dakota last summer and everywhere you went every gift shop you went into they all had you know political t-shirts but every single one of them was pro-trump there was no pro anybody else t-shirts up there and i know from the people i talked to here in nebraska it's very heavily weighted toward trump as well so while i think maybe it's like you said it's uh, maybe not the most accurate representation. Um, it did follow kind of the polling that was coming out of Iowa. We're, but we're going to learn more uh, as we get into next week because what's next? New Hampshire, right? Right. Well, let me give you just so the listeners understand some actual numbers. Only 110,298 of the 594,533 registered Republicans showed up to caucus. That's extremely low. And what that translates is to only 18.5% of those who could cast a ballot on Monday night actually did. Yeah, that's... Now, the whole election might have been, the whole caucus might have had different results if the weather had been different. And if I were, and I, I really have a beef with this, they cancel football games when the weather's too cold because, God forbid, the million-dollar players, you know, oh, get a little How? Uh, but here is a caucus for the President of the United States Worst weather condition in in decades, and nothing is canceled. Postpone, just postpone it a few days till it it, it at least reaches reaches zero. No, they didn't do that. 
So only 18% of all those eligible to vote were able to vote, get to the caucus to vote. I've got a problem with that. I have a problem with the election executives in Iowa. What were you thinking? Well, you know, they schedule the thing in the middle of January every, you know, election year. And it is Iowa. Um, you know, if if you want you know, decent weather in Iowa, you don't schedule a damn thing in January. I mean, yeah, but you also, when you have a dangerous conditions like it was on Monday night, it wouldn't hurt you to you know postpone it a day or two. Well, the I, whole caucus might have had, might or might not have had different results. Well, I mean, I guess anything's possible, but I do have to to pick a bone with you about your football analogy here. You know, they, yeah, well, they postponed that not because the poor million dollar players might get frostbit. They postponed that because it's dangerous for the crowd that's sitting outside in Buffalo, New York, of all places, in those kind of wind chills because they're not running around and staying warm. How about it's dangerous for Iowans to drive in streets that are unplowed, that are outside? Uh, and that are icy. It's dangerous to Iowans to even walk in 30 below zero windshield weather. They didn't take that into account. To me, that's very bad judgment, uncaring judgment on the part of the Iowa election officials. And I think people need to bring that up to them. They put people's lives in danger. Yeah. I mean, and look, it's, that's it's very it's, dangerous what they did. It, it's a it's a rough weather situation, and and I don't recommend people go out in it. But um, you know, people did. So mm-hmm. you know, but, I but, mean, but it it no matter no matter the results, I don't care whose results it was. When you only have eighteen percent of your eligible voters voting. That might not be the true feeling of the majority of Iowans. It's true. It may, it may not be, you know, but it's mm-hmm. it's what it is, and that's what they got for a turnout, and that's the result they got because of it. So, you know, but mm-hmm. now now we're looking forward. We're looking at New Hampshire coming up next week, and shortly after that, it's going to be South Carolina. The, the situation in South Carolina is interesting. That's Nikki Haley's home state. And I don't no. think she can win there. No, it looks, according to these early polls, and, you know, use your air quotes here on accuracy, but according to the early polls, she's not going to win her state. That's kind of strange to me. Yeah, because she was, people liked her as a governor, but you have to remember one thing she did. That was very bad. Nikki Haley was the first person, the first public elected official to cave to cancel culture when she allowed the taking down of the Confederate flag from the state capitol. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't. It was a very bad move on her part. And I don't know that a lot of people in South Carolina have ever forgiven her for that. Exactly. And this might be her payback time. 
Now, also, Nikki Haley says today she's done debating anybody except Trump or Joe Biden. Yeah, and that's why Ron DeSantis will be having a debate, not even a debate, a town hall. CNN offered him the full hour town hall to get his message out, and CNN is going to bring up, gee, Nikki Haley has become Trump afraid to debate. Now, I'm not saying that's fair to Nikki Haley either, but it it will give Ron DeSantis a little bit of a platform that she's now not going to get. And she's very foolish because her uptick in the polls happened during debates. Yeah, I mean, she did pretty well during the debates. Uh, Mm -hmm. She made her case pretty well during the debates. And now she says, oh, no, it's Trump or Biden or nothing. And it's a strategy. I don't know if it's a good one or a bad one, but time will tell. I think it's going to backfire on her in her own state. Yeah, I think it very well might. Um, So we got those things coming up. Obviously, we'll be paying attention to uh, New Hampshire and South Carolina. We're going to learn more about national trends. Right. I think once those two are done, but I'm, I'm about ready to go out on a limb here. It's not really much of a limb. Uh, but, but I'm ready to say that I think, uh, at this point, barring any, any, you know, explosive developments, I think Donald Trump is probably going to walk away with 49 or 50 primary victories. Oh, I I will not say that. I will not say that. Um, He's not polling that well in Nevada. In fact, right now, DeSantis is polling better than him in Nevada. I I think he'll get a majority number of states, but I don't think it's going to be a Reagan-esque type victory. Well, you know, the Reagan victory was, that was unheard of. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was completely unprecedented, and I think that took everybody by surprise. But um, I'm, I'm glad it worked out that way. You know? Right, but uh, Trump but is no Reagan. <laughs> no, no, he's, he's <laughs> no, when you, when you compare the great communicator and Donald Trump, uh, it's a little bit like apples and oranges. Yes. yes. Um, we need to shift gears here a little bit because Joe Biden is hitting the campaign trail. Oh, I know. I mean, he's probably going to do most of his campaigning from, you know, the the White House basement. But, Diane, he's heading off to Michigan uh, to talk to a very, very, very important voting block. Yeah. Let me preface this by saying, do you remember all the riots and the BLM nonsense that happened on Biden's watch, yeah. and he didn't give a flying you-know-what about it. Well, the Muzzies, the Muslims, are a little bit upset. Well, because, right. yeah, because, you know, they're upset about everything. Yeah. So Joe Biden is heading up there to calm them down. Well, see, they're upset because, you know, Biden keeps talking publicly about supporting Israel. Israel, right. And, and of course, they think Israel should be wiped off the map and all the Jews should be genocided out of existence. And and they're they're saying, 
you know, they're not going to vote for for Joe Biden because, you know, he stands with Israel and he stands with Netanyahu and, you know, he's he's afraid that he may lose Michigan and maybe Minnesota uh, if if he doesn't go and placate the Muslims. Right. Well, what they're very mad about and specifically is that he won't tell order whatever you want to call it. He won't tell Israel to call off their their forces in Gaza. But what these Muslims don't understand is we have no business telling a sovereign nation what they can and cannot do. Exactly. You know, the the decision maker over there is Bibi Netanyahu. Exactly. Not not Joe Biden, not any American. No, no not at all. And, you know, let's be honest, no one takes Biden serious over there or anywhere. I was going to say, where do they take him seriously? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, this whole thing is ridiculous. But what's more ridiculous? He's going at the end of the month, folks. The Muslim leaders do not want to meet with him. We are talking about the, you know, the likes of Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and all those, you know, yucky people. Um, They don't want to meet with him, but he he's fearful that if he loses the Muslim vote, he'll lose the election. Guess what? They don't really vote all that much. And uh, number two. Who cares what they think? I don't give a flying you-know-what what those people think. Well, I'll tell you what. I am very interested, honestly, in what he has to say to them when he gets there. Yeah, um, I'm more interested in that than in their reaction or what they do or don't do. Well, and, and I'll tell you why I'm so interested in it. I'm going to make some popcorn, and mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to watch... Uh, and listen to what he says, because I think it's going to be highly entertaining. If you look back at a lot of Joe Biden's speeches, this isn't just once or twice. This goes on and on. No matter who he's talking to, he has a direct connection to them in his mind, what's left of it, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, Um, yeah. He's going to make some kind of connection. (laughs) over, Over the years, he has been Puerto Rican. Right. He has been Irish. Right. Um, he has been uh, the, the guy who started the civil rights movement in a black church. Yes. Isn't that amazing? I didn't know that, Craig. Did you? I No, but, but Joe <laughs> Biden said it, so it's got to be true, right? Right. You know, right. and it, it just seems like, you know, whoever he's talking to in the moment he has some direct connection to them, right. you know, and, and he's this and, you know, when he was talking to truck drivers, he used to drive a truck. Right. There's no record of him ever being behind the wheel of an 18 wheeler. No, you know, but whoever he talks to, you know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to his speech to the Muslims in Michigan to see you know, how he has attended mosques and done the, the head down, ass up, uh, five day or five times a day prayers, Yeah, you know, and I mean, I'm looking forward to whatever he, you know, whatever connection he tries to, to jigger up in, in, you know, with, with the Muslims, I think it's going to be highly fascinating. 
Well, I bet some money on him bringing this particular prop with him. You know how Dr. Jill always has to go to sort of, you know, keep an eye on him? I wonder if this time when she goes, she'll be wearing a head-to-toe burqa. Uh, you know, I wonder, or at least a headscarf. I'll bet she does. I'll bet she does. You know, here's another one. When when Joe went and, and looked at the damage from the fires in Hawaii, he talked about how his house almost burned down and it almost killed his wife. You know, it was this tiny little kitchen fire that was put out with a glass of water, basically. Right. Well, I know what he could say, that Obama tried to pull his prayer out prayer rug out from under him don't be <laughs> don't be surprised if he says that that they have a lot of area rugs in the white house don't be oh, surprised rugs. yeah mm-hmm. yeah don't be surprised i mean <laughs> nothing surprises me with the sh- the comedy show that is the bidens i mean good lord you mm-hmm. know um it, it's it's going to be highly entertaining. But I guess he's going to Michigan and going to uh, Minnesota, maybe Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, uh, Ilhan Omar territory. Ugh. I know. You know, you, you go near her, it's like you want to take a bath or a shower. It, it's just, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Why of all the people to try and placate. Yeah, he didn't give a damn about American cities burning. No. Or or murders or or the the crimes committed by these sorts. But he cares he might not get the Muslim vote. Well, yeah, because the people that were committing all those crimes and and engaged in all those riots, they're going to vote for him. So he doesn't need to go talk to them. You know, yeah. Well, you know what? Look at it this way. First, he threw black Americans under the bus in favor of the illegals. Now he's going to throw the illegals under the bus in favor of the Muslims. I mean, uh, that bus is going to need a a thorough undercarriage wash before this campaign is over. (laughs) Inside and out. I would think so. (laughs) Good grief. Yes. Uh, that that is the last group you need to go placate. Absolutely, and these are Hamas supporters. They freely admit that they're on the side of Hamas against Israel. Yeah, and, and you're going to go try to make buddy buddy friends with them, so they vote for you. Really? Yeah. Yeah. First of all, I guarantee you, most of them don't vote, and I would also think that a good number of them don't even belong here. I I tend to think that's probably true. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, um, but those those trips are coming up uh, later this month. So right. we, we've got that to look forward to. Boy, do we. All right. In the last couple of minutes we've got left, I just want to remind folks again, make sure you tune in this Friday, 7 o'clock Eastern time, as our guest will be Mudar Zakran, and he is the uh, – the Secretary General of the Jordanian Opposition Coalition. I don't know how he gets all of that on one business card, but you know, <laughs> apparent, apparently he does. Uh, he does. But he he is going to fill us in on all the ins and outs of what's going on over there, 
And he's a, a good longtime friend of the show and a good longtime friend of Diane's and mine. Uh, and it's going to be great to welcome him back to the air right. this Friday. He might, he might even do some breaking news. Yeah, I mean, he, we, we're not going to let the cat out of the bag right now, but he he has brought up some breaking news, and we're hoping that, that he's going to break that uh, on the show. And, of course, you know, there's there's still a lot of stuff going on over there. So we're going to get all yes. up to speed on all of it this Friday, 7 o'clock Eastern, right here on Right Side Patriots, RSPRadio1.com, with our friend Mudar Zakran. Yes. All right, now. Uh, coming up here in about a half an hour, I'm talking about DEI is designed to fail. But when we come back from this bottom of the hour break, Diane has it with pulling out their bag of tricks. Mm-hmm. And you know it's coming. You know it's coming. Stay with us, folks. There's plenty more to come on Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk, where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. Getting you through the Tuesday night edition of the show, and if you miss any part of it, all you have to do is go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button. This show in its entirety and all the others are there waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple, pretty easy. Be one of the pod people. We love our pod people. Yes, we do. All right, Diane, so we're we're in the middle of this uh, 2024 election cycle, and mm-hmm. all sorts of things are going on around the world. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a mess everywhere <laughs> you look, but certain people are 
digging in and pulling out their bag of tricks. Yes, they are. And let me start by saying, so now as we're well into January and with the Iowa caucuses behind us, know that election interference shenanigans will most assuredly start heating up. And while it's important to remain focused on the primaries, let's not forget that the Democrats will again pull out their bag of tricks in yet another attempt to not only try to influence who the Republican presidential nominee will be, but to aid in their painting of Joe Biden as the savior of American democracy. The very thing our founders and framers never intended nor wanted America to be, as well as their playing down the invasion at our southern border. And the first such what are election interference tricks, in my opinion, will be that as we head deeper into primary season, COVID-19's anything but unexpected reappearance will mirror that the same political effect on the 2024 presidential election as it did on 2020s. And with Big Pharma again salivating over getting the easily swayed and easily fearful masses rejabbed and reboosted, while happy images of bottom line profits gaily dance in their heads, means can mask mandates be far behind. In fact, in some places, in our country, especially in California, said mandates have already been put into place. And with the COVID-19 virus now being endemic, not pandemic in nature, I believe what remains a manufactured and genetically engineered virus, or should I say a bioweapon in desperate need of an antidote, not a vaccine, said virus remains a powerful political tool that will again be used to both influence and dissuade the voters from in-person voting before this summer's nominating convention and the general election itself. Why so? Because to the Democrat hierarchy, a politically engineered COVID reemergence automatically translates into yet another push for mail-in ballots, courtesy of the Biden administration. And with Joe Biden's poll numbers now at an all-time low, Democrats speak dictates that easy manipulated, tampered with, and lost but suddenly found mail-in ballots must again dominate the voting discourse. And with voter ID still not needed in many states, most especially in blue states, Biden and crew will claim that the use of mail-in ballots will help cut down on the supposedly already rising number of new COVID cases. But Craig, the fact is that mail-in ballots being touted as a health precaution is but akin to putting lipstick on what will be the Democrats again fraud-ridden election pig. Obviously, COVID-19 is going to play a role, whether there is a real outbreak of it or not. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and like you said, California is already putting some mask mandates in place because, I mean, they're just trying to get people used to the idea again. Exactly. So COVID is one of the tricks, but it's a big bag of tricks. What else is in the bag? Well, something else in the bag will be the soon-to-come COVID shenan. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm right here. <laughs> and another trick on par 
with the soon-to-come COVID shenanigans is that the Democrats will once again try to twist the Constitution's very words to fit more closely with both their election agenda and their misguided concept of what a democracy really is. And with Joe Biden, along with those who circle within his and Obama's orbit, constantly spewing that Donald Trump, who was not yet even the official Republican nominee, remains a direct threat to our American democracy. But please know that the last thing our founders and framers wanted at the time of our nation's founding was for us to be a democracy. And why? Because these men were wise enough to know that not only does democracy simply equate to mob rule, but that its actual concept could be manipulated twisted and corrupted by those individuals who crave unyielding and everlasting power. Thomas Jefferson stated that, quote, democracy is 51% of the people taking away the rights of the other 49%, end quote. While James Madison, who is often referred to as the father of the Constitution, said, quote, in a democracy, the people meet and exercise to uh, exercise the government in person. In a republic, they assemble and administer it by their representatives and agents. A democracy, consequentially, will be confined to a small, small spot. A republic may be extended over a large reason, end quote. Simply, they and the others who helped write and assemble our Constitution wanted our nation to be a republic, not a democracy, as the means by which our new and expanding nation was to be governed. The United States of America is and must remain a republic a constitutional republic, and the sooner the left and even some on the right accept this as facts, the better off we'll all be, no matter Biden's and Obama's words to the contrary. In fact, the very concept of our nation being a republic was initiated as a means by which we, if need be, could defend ourselves from what was then referred to as potential excesses, committed by the democratic majorities. In other words, our founders and framers did foresee possible future dangers, both political and otherwise, if our new nation was to become a democracy. And sadly, Craig, what those men did fear most has now actually become the hallmark of today's Democrat Party, a party guilty of hijacking the very concept of who we were supposed to be and replacing it with what they alone want us to be. Well, you know, a big part of that was removing civics classes from public schools. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, as kids, um, you know, those of us who are old enough to remember were taught civics, and we understood what a constitutional republic was uh, as opposed to a democracy. But the liberals have forced this democracy thing, uh, you know, into the lexicon to the point that they're treating us as though we were. So what does that mean exactly that we have become in the eyes of liberals? Well, we as a nation have become, thanks to the Democrats' version of democracy. That's the question. And I'll give you the answer. 
We sadly have become a nation where reckless spending and one-sided political injustices rendered dictates the entirety of the public discourse, a discourse made worse in that it's coupled with the misnomer regarding the uh, conceptual yet faux reality that everything and everyone must be equal on all levels. These things alone, thanks to the Democrats, seize reason, logic, and fair play being replaced with lies and anger. But the lies and anger have been egged on by a media ever fearful of their losing control of the public discourse. This is what has forced us into believing that we are a democracy. This is what has caused what could be irreversible damage to our nation. And if truth be told, as it must always be, these misconceptions must be replaced with the reality of who and what we as a nation really are, a republic, specifically a constitutional republic. In fact, In our not doing so, we have allowed the disembodiment of the Constitution itself to take place, with one key point of reference being the ongoing invasion of our southern border. The Democrats easily manipulated trick number three. Now, we all know why, said Democrats, why Joe Biden does not put a stop to the invasion of said border. And it's simply about vote garnering being the means by which Democrats hope to remain in power, something even a blind man can see. In fact, Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution states, quote, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence, end quote. Our founders and framers wisely designed these very words to not only protect each individual state against foreign invasion slash invaders, but due to ongoing circumstances at our southern border, these very words have become words equating to illegal immigration. Why so? Because anyone not coming here through legally accepted channels does indeed meet the definition of an invader. Craig, it's simply that even if one, never mind many, invades our nation, it has a direct impact on our nation's sovereignty. How so? Because a nation without well-defined, secured, and respected borders sees not only its sovereignty lost, but its actual identity both compromised and corrupted as well. And dare not forget that nowhere in the Constitution does it state that our nation must ever become an open-to-all, free-for-all, exactly what we are seeing now. You know, the founders and framers were not myopic. They were pretty far-sighted people. And mm-hmm. and this country has existed as a strong country because of that. But when you right. look at our border and the situation that we see it at the border today, a lot of people are focused, I mean, kind of laser-focused on the illegals that are coming across the border. But they're not the only problem when it comes to border insecurity, are they? No. And we need to face the facts 
folks, that our southern border is truly compromised and corrupted, corrupted by both foreigners who knowingly break our laws to get here, hence becoming criminals via their very actions taken, and by U.S. officials who do nothing to stop this influx of folks who, for the most part, bring with them the mentality and morals, or lack thereof, of the very countries and cultures they left behind. These folks do not want to assimilate. They want to dominate, to turn our nation into the third world cesspools they left behind. And they do so with their hands out to garner the promised fruits of our labors, while they continue to take from the system all they can get, and in return, they become Democrat voters. And while those on the left, and even with a few on the right, still referring to the invaders as either migrants or immigrants, adding the word undocumented at times, no Democrat leader that I know of is willing to call them what they really are, as in an invading army, with known terrorists found hiding amongst them, comprised mostly of young military-aged men, men whom, I believe, are financed by George Soros solely to help uh, collapse our economy from within, simply by by destroying, or now in our case by overturning, a nation's economy, you destroy the nation itself. Thus they come here not just for the free stuff, but to help Obama reach his final goal of transforming America into a socialist-driven, Democrat-controlled brown nation. So, Craig, how can we stop this ongoing invasion? What with our leaders seemingly unwilling to do so? Or can we stop it at all? Well, I think that's a valid question. And, you know, it's one that deserves thoughtful answers. And part of Mm -hmm. those answers, I believe, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, if you look at the numbers alone, The numbers of illegals that have poured across this border over the last two and a half to three years, there are things that were in place that are no longer in place, and those are no longer in place because of one man. Exactly. So basically, the answer to that question is, yes, we can stop it. And the numbers, the answer, I should say, do indeed lie within the numbers alone. So here, let me explain that. Since Biden took office in 2021, more than 5 million illegals, the majority being young military-age men, have entered the United States through our unsecured southern border, with 85-plus percent of them being released as per Biden's catch-and-release program, and with 3 million of them being released on Mayorkas' watch, we find as per town hall, that Mayorkas allowed more illegals into our country between 2021 and 2023 than was the number of babies born here, as in fewer than 4 million live births. So knowing these numbers coupled them with the amount each illegal, each invader costs we taxpayers, and don't think that it isn't us paying for this administration's allowed influx, because it is. In fact, as per a November 2023 report, we Americans now pay close to $451 billion per year to feed, 
house, school, give medical care, and legal assistance to those who enter the U.S. illegally, including those released into our country, along with the gotaways. And if you break that outrageous number down to a more easily understood number, that equates in some cases to upwards of $1,000 per day going to folks who have no business being here. So are you angry yet, folks? I sure am. Imagine what those monies could do to help American citizens in need. Imagine what it could do to help our homeless veterans and to help those struggling to put food on the table, along with those overwhelmed with medical bills who watch illegals get both food and medical help for free. The possibilities to help our citizens are endless, and all it takes is to cut all, and I mean all, monies being wasted on those illegally coming here. Remember, these are not asylum seekers, nor are they true refugees. These are a combination of those wanting what you and I have without having to work or pay for it, being mixed into a group of a growing number of outright invaders who knowingly wish to do our nation harm. And those guilty of aiding and abetting these foreign invaders from Joe Biden on down must be called to task for not only have they violated the Constitution and their very oath of office, but they have willfully put we the people in harm's way. And so it seems that the only way to stop the Democrats from using their bag of tricks is for election interference to no longer be the determining factor in our elections, to make sure the word democracy is not part of the constitutional discourse as to who we as a nation are, and that the invaders of our country no longer have the monetary incentive to come here. It really is as simple as that case closed it's a big bag of tricks it sure is and and it's a mixed bag of nuts that are pulling things out of it um yeah you know i mean when you look at the situation i mean you're just scratching the surface here Mm -hmm. yeah but these are some of the major things yeah these are some of the major things that people need to keep an eye on you know uh, and not only you know we, we want to stress here, not only in the presidential election, but the now ticket elections, too, for the House and the Senate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to back up my point about the mostly young military age men, I've included a, a video and it's kind of a, a com, com, um, composition of mixed videos together showing the massive amount of young military-aged men coming into our country. No women, no children. In this in this uh, particular video, the terrorists are hiding among these people, folks. You know, we Biden know knows we it. know of everybody uh, knows it. We know of over a hundred that they have actually stopped at the border that are on the terrorist watch list, but that doesn't count the ones we don't know about. The gotaways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know there are sleeper cells of terrorists that have come across the border. we got people coming across this southern border from every corner of the world. We've got them coming from China. We've got them coming from the Middle East. We've got them coming from Africa. We've got them coming from everywhere. 
Right. And, and why? Because it's free admittance. Exactly. You know? And it all boils down. These are the Democrats' voters. They've thrown black Americans under the bus. This is their replacement. But as black Americans are starting to turn against the Democrat Party, this is not going to bode well. These people will move in. And to be honest with you, they breed like animals, a lot of them. Yeah, I mean... You can have generations of these people determining our elections if we're not careful. Well, and, you know, you, you rightly refer to it as Biden's catch-and-release program, but I think it's a lot more dire than that because they catch them, they give them a piece of paper that says show up in five or six years for a court date, right. and, then they, and then they send them to wherever in our country they want to go. There's well, no way to keep track of these people. Well, thank God, you know, when they show up in Texas and in Florida, they're shipped the hell out of there. Yeah, but I mean, we give them to the sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. These uh, states within our country, folks, voluntarily became sanctuary city and sanctuary states. So we're just giving them what they want. Yeah, but now their panties are all wadded up because, oh, no, we can't handle this many, you know. Uh, the, the perfect case in point was Martha's Vineyard, you know, Mm -hmm. Martha's Vineyard put up signs, you know, we welcome everybody. We're a sanctuary, you know, city. We welcome everybody here. And then they sent 20 of them there and they, you know, all, all of a sudden, oh, we can't have this. And they deported those 20 in 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it was 50, but, um, I mean, some, some terribly small number. You know, and, yeah. and, you know, that really kind of, you know, put a spotlight on what these sanctuary cities really are. They're just virtue signaling. That's all they are. They never well, thought they would get actual illegal aliens. Well, we're giving them what they want. But worse is something that came out late last week, and it came across a lot of the Internet sites. The mayors of New York and Chicago are so overwhelmed. And, and and in California as well. They are thinking now of putting orders into place that people, let's say empty nesters, retired people with um, big homes, but lots of rooms, they are thinking, they haven't done it yet, but they are thinking of putting mandates in that these people have to take in illegals. They're out of hotel rooms they're out of school rooms. They're out of tent cities. So now they want American citizens to house, feed, and clothe uh-huh. people who don't belong here in the first place. Yeah, that's going to go over like a lead balloon. It ain't happening here in Florida or in Texas, I can tell you that. Well, I, I guarantee you these, you know, dyed-in-the-wool liberals who've been screaming for open borders for years, they're not going to like that. They're not going to want no. to put them up in their homes. No. Some will. Some will. They think they're being so altruistic and, and uh, 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 they're going to get a, you know, a star pinned on their chest. I don't know. Well, they I are mean, liberal I, enough to believe that. I go back to Martha's Vineyard. You yeah. know, Obama's house there, that's big enough to, to house a whole bunch. Yeah. I think they figured out. I did an article on that, and if I'm 
I'm not mistaken, his mansion can house 680 illegals. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but yeah. did he did he house even one? Nope. No, he call, he called the officials to get them out of there. Yeah, get them off my lawn. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it just is what it is. Folks, you can get Diane's op-ed this week by going two places. You can go to her blog, the national, oh, that's me, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or you can go to rspradio1.com. Either way, you can get the link to pulling out their bag of tricks, read it for yourself, watch the video, and then hopefully you'll share it everywhere you can. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the things, uh, you know, the, the scratching the surface that you did in this, uh, op-ed Diane, these are all things we're going to see, uh, being played out in one way or another, uh, throughout this election year. I guarantee oh, you that the Democrats any minute now are going to start saying, well, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to get that situation at the border under control. Don't believe it. They have no intention of getting any situation at the border under control. It's all lip service. Oh, absolutely. They're not going to do a damn thing to shut down that border. And if Biden is reelected, it's going to be 10 times worse than it is now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just going to, continue to get worse and worse the COVID-19 thing you know as you you rightly point out in the op-ed California is already starting in and the rest of these blue states are going to be right on their heels well the bad thing about the COVID is it's going to call for the push for mail-in ballots and so much fraud is committed in mail-in ballots that's why folks no no system is without cheating as far as the Democrats are concerned. But mail imbalance are number one on the easiest to manipulate. Absolutely. You can lose them, you can find them, you can you can miscount them, you can do anything you want with them. Exactly. You know, and if you don't have enough, you can manufacture some more. Right. You can have them ready to go. I mean, not that we saw anything like that happening in 2020. Oh, no, no, we didn't, right? (laughs) I mean, you know, boxes and pallets of of ballots coming in in the middle of the night. Oh, look what we found. Mm -hmm. And they're all for Joe Biden, every single one. Yeah, not not a one for Trump. I mean, come on. You know, know, we're not stupid here. Um, No, but they think we are. They hope we are. Well, let's put it this way. Our Republican leaders haven't done anything to stop the fraud. That's true. And that's that's yeah. going to come back to bite us. Yes, it is. You know, I mean, the sooner we can get a handle on this, the sooner we can get back to actual meaningful and honest elections. But until then, yes, you know, it's whoever cheats the best is going to win. I guess so. I right? mean, I mean, really, that's really kind of what it comes down to. Folks, go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or go to rspradio1.com. Get the link to Diane's op-ed this week, and that is under the title, Pulling Out Their Bag of Tricks, and share that link everywhere you can. All right. We got to take a break. We're at the top of the hour. We've got one segment left to go in tonight's show. When we come back, I'm going to be talking about DEI 
is designed to fail. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night in America. We're getting you through it. If you miss any part of tonight's show, go to rspradio1.com. Do that tomorrow morning. Don't do it tonight. Just do it in the morning. And this show and all the others will be there waiting for you. All right. So along with everything else we got going on in this country right now that's causing problems and headaches and giving people migraines, we've got DEI. And uh, it doesn't seem to be, you know, letting up any. And in fact, it it seems to be getting worse. So I took a look at it for this week's commentary and put together an article under the title, DEI is designed to fail. Last week, there was a protest outside the New York office of Harvard alumnus Bill Ackman after Ackman led the effort to remove Claudine Gay as the president of Harvard University. According to Al Sharpton, and I quote, Ackman declared war on DEI. He declared war on affirmative action. He's defining himself as a right-winger in terms of dealing with racial equality. This issue is not just about what they did to this president of Harvard University. It's about the use of her as a scapegoat Excuse me, to fight DEI, unquote. Sharpton, a race baiter and race hustler, went on to say that Claudine Gay's resignation was, quote, 
an attack on every black woman, unquote, in America who has, quote, put a crack in the glass ceiling, unquote. This, of course, falls directly in line with Gay's resignation statement in which she claimed to have been the target of personal attacks and threats fueled by racial animus. Diane, it should come as no grand surprise that a woman hired due to the color of her skin rather than the content of her character would blame racism for being forced to resign as the president of what used to be one of the world's leading universities instead of taking any personal responsibility for her own self-inflicted wounds regarding her anti-Semitic remarks and rampant plagiarism. Well, isn't it interesting when anything like this happens, the race card always gets pulled out, even when something has absolutely nothing to do with racism. The Democrats always have it ready, you know, to pull out of their pockets. It's one of their bags of tricks. It is. It it falls right in line with your op-ed. Exactly. It really does. Look, it should also come as no surprise at all that the ilk of Al Sharpton would glom on to Gay's absurd statement and then try to hustle it for false racial reasons. Naturally, the liberal mainstream media quickly engaged in blatant virtue signaling to parrot the abjectly false claims of racism being the reason for Claudine Gay's resignation, and we're not surprised by that. It's all crap. We know that, so do the race baiters and the race hustlers and the virtue signalers. But it goes much deeper than that. What Sharpton, Gay, and the liberal mainstream media is saying, what they're telling the black population and minorities in general, is that without diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, without affirmative action, minorities can't get ahead socially or economically. What they're telling black people and any other minority is that because they're not white, they should have the goalposts moved and be allowed to cheat. They're saying that minorities just aren't smart enough to compete on a level playing field. Sharpton, Gay, and the liberal mainstream media are literally telling minorities in this country that the content of their character means nothing and that they are owed what others have earned because they are incapable of earning it on their own. Now, does this surprise anyone? It shouldn't. Liberal race baiters and hustlers have been telling us for decades that Republicans are the racists and that only liberalism can save the minority community, but that is demonstrably false. The fact is that in urban areas, some of our nation's biggest cities, have been under liberal control for decades. And guess what? They're no better off today than they were decades ago. Liberals said to minorities in blue cities and in blue states, elect us and we'll save you from the Republicans that are holding you back, keeping you down and rigging the system against you. Minority voters elected the liberals. And what happened? Nothing. Did things get better? Nope. Did the black or minority communities excel? No. 
under the control of liberal mayors, liberal city councils, liberal school boards, and liberal teachers? Did they increase anyone's socioeconomic standing, increase test scores, increase job availability? Did they create more opportunities for business growth? Oh, maybe Charles Barkley said it best, Diane, when he said, poor black people have been voting for Democrats their whole life, and they're still poor. That's very true. But you know what's interesting about all of this? These race baiters, these hustlers, these haters, people like Al Sharpton and such, they have a particular interest in keeping minorities down, don't they? Well, they do, and that's because their political ideology requires victims in order to maintain power. Any, right. uh, you know, another way maybe of putting it, is that we're liberals to actually do what they've claimed for decades that only they could do and would do, the race baiters and hustlers like Sharpton would be out of a job. What was affirmative action has now morphed into DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's just a new label for the same old tired con. Don't think so? Ask yourself how the high-profile DEI hires have been doing lately. How's Kamala Harris doing? She failed as borders are, and now the woman who checked the DEI hiring box can't even string together a sensible sentence. And she's put in charge of overseeing artificial intelligence. (laughs) How about Supreme Court Justice Brown Jackson? She sits on the nation's highest court as a DEI appointment, even after she could not, under oath, define what a woman is. Claudine Gay, Harvard's DEI presidential hire, destroyed the premier university's reputation and then cost them billions of dollars in donations in six short months. General Lloyd Austin, our nation's Secretary of Defense, virtue signaled his and the liberals' embracing of DEI and spent billions of dollars making our military more woke, while rooting out systemic racism. And yet, a recent independent study released just a week ago shows the problem he spent billions to fix never actually existed in the first place. And how's Disney doing since they went woke and embraced DEI? How's Budweiser doing after embracing DEI? The list goes on and on, and none of it is working. In fact, Diane Everywhere DEI has been implemented, just like everywhere socialism has been implemented, it has failed. Have you noticed that every time DEI fails, the liberals blame it on Republicans and double down on DEI, forcing more and more of it into our economy, into our system of education, and even into our system of justice? Well, there's a reason They do these kind of things because they need a certain type of individual to keep their whole agenda, to keep their whole way of being going. That's right. Why would they embrace and double down on failure? Because in failure, they create a new class of victims. And they tell those new victims that only liberalism, which manufactured the problem to begin with, can solve the problem. And that the only way to solve the problem is to double down on what caused the problem. Let's use Harvard 
as a prime example. The liberal machine that has for far too long been at the helm of Harvard decided they needed to implement DEI. When it crashed and burned spectacularly, the response was they need more DEI to fix it because minorities are incapable of meeting high standards on their own. No surprise, nothing new. It's the same ilk as Al Sharpton who claimed that Claudine Gay's self-inflicted downfall was actually proof of rampant racism and that she should not be held to a high ethical standard because she's not white and therefore is incapable of being ethical because she's black. These are the same people who claim that minorities are incapable of obtaining photo IDs for the purpose of voter ID because of the color of their skin. Minorities just aren't smart enough. They're just not capable enough. They aren't good enough at anything, according to the race baiters and hustlers like Sharpton, and therefore goalposts, scoring curves, and job performance standards must be lowered, but only for the minorities. The obvious question is, how would you feel as a Harvard student knowing that you're being held to a higher standard than your school's president or faculty, or since the college president is a DEI hire and the bar for certain students has been lowered based on their skin color, how do you now feel about the value of your diploma? Diane, maybe the less obvious question, but perhaps a more important one, is to ask, how would you feel if your doctor or attorney was a DEI admittance to their college of choice and had their test bar lowered during their years in school? It wouldn't make you very, very happy. But the whole thing about DEI, it kind of melds in with two other important factions that are also negative factions across the board. Yeah, that's true. Just like socialism and just like affirmative action, DEI is designed to fail for the sole purpose of manufacturing more victims for whom liberals will claim to be the saviors as a way to maintain a voting block of people misled into being ignorant. Am I saying that minorities are, by the virtue of their skin color, ignorant? Certainly not. But that's exactly what the race hustlers, and now gender hustlers, want them to believe. The ilk of Sharpton, liberals in the mainstream media, along with virtue-signaling fools, are desperate to create more victims, and many who once bought into the snake oil, the false narrative, are now beginning to see the light. Recent polling shows that more and more minorities have begun to turn their backs on liberalism in favor of common-sense policies. Furthermore, and more minority voters have become tired of being lied to by the party they've supported for far too long. This is the land of opportunity, not the land of equity, and there is a huge difference. Opportunity allows individuals to strive for exceptionalism, while equity simply accepts mediocrity, then cloaks it in a false sense of achievement. And no strong nation ever got that way or maintained the strength they once had by striving for mediocrity. 
That is the bottom line. And that is the simple truth. In a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, this DEI thing, I mean, we're we're now thankfully starting to see a few companies say, "Oh, you know what? This really isn't the most productive thing we've ever implemented." But they're not really pulling back from it full force. They're just now questioning it. But I guess that's a step in the right direction. Well, the first thing they should do, in my opinion, is rid the schools, rid employment, rid everything relating to affirmative action. Students should be accepted into schools, workers into the workforce, having absolutely nothing to do with the color of their skin, whether they're male or female. It should be strictly on are they qualified for what they're going for. Oh, yeah. There's there's a term for that, Diane. It's called merit-based. Yeah, and and in a in a liberal world, we'll have none of that foolishness. We'll have Absolutely. no merit involved in anything. You know, it doesn't really matter if somebody's qualified or not. It's just that they tick off the boxes. Then they can have the job or they can be admitted to the college because it makes the college or the job workplace look prettier. Well, there's something that hasn't been mentioned Along those lines, when you have to meet quotas and you meet them, many times the ones who have to, you know, pick the people to meet the quotas, they themselves are awarded monetarily. Right. That's true. It's very true, especially the higher up in the educational ladder you get. Look at your major colleges, not even your major college. Look at any college today, mm-hmm. and and I will kind of, I kind of dismiss your vocational schools, and I'm sure they're dealing with it at some level, but not like colleges and universities across the right. country. They now right. have DEI administrators, and they're paying them tons and tons of money. They have the office of DEI. They have DEI administration. Right. I mean, it's top heavy. And for what? Yes. To lower the standards? It's, you know, lowering the standards puts it mildly. What they're trying to do, in my opinion, is these are people that want to be white but by their very makeup cannot be. So if we can't be what you guys have or what they consider we have and it's owed to us, let's just ruin your higher, you know, your schools. Let's just ruin your colleges. Uh, but I mean, and take it over and make it into what we want it to be. You know, there are plenty of minority people in this country who have great jobs. They've achieved great yep. things. They've mm-hmm. attended great schools. They become great people. I'm not just talking about white collar people. I'm talking about blue collar people, leaders of industry, um, right. you know, and, and white collars, doctors, attorneys, um, you know, you name it. And, you know, you look around and there are just extreme examples of very, merit-based minorities in this country. 
Yeah, they're, they're the success stories. And you know what? I would bet that a majority of them did it on their own through Absolutely. hard work, dedication, not taking part in these freebies and handouts, but you through know, the sweat of their brow, hard work, um, getting good grades in school, staying focused, taking responsibility for their actions. They've done it the right way. You know, Dr. Ben Carson wrote a book. I was thinking of him. Yes. Yeah, he, he wrote a book a while back about all this. And mm -hmm. in that book, he talks about uh, being a kid in school, and he was in a geography, or no, a geology class. And, you know, the, the teacher was asking questions. The teacher held up a rock, and he said, who can tell me what kind of rock this is? And Carson said he looked around the room and none of the smart kids raised their hands and none of the, the stupid kids raised their hands. And he thought, well, you know, here's my opportunity. So he raised his hand. He never, he had never spoken in that class, never answered a question in that class before. So he raised his hand and the teacher called on and Dr. Carson said, and he's a kid, he's not a doctor, he's just a kid. He says, that's obsidian and it's formed by volcanic action when Lava and magma meet the sea and cool rapidly and all mm -hmm. that. And he said, nobody said anything. Everybody was staring at him. And he didn't know <laughs> if he'd said something stupid or if he'd said something smart. And the teacher finally said, well, Benjamin, you're absolutely correct. This is obsidian. And the reason you knew that is because you read the book. Right. And Carson said, that opened a whole new realm in my life. He said, I was smart for the first time in my life because I read a book. Yeah. He said, from that point yeah. on, I couldn't stop reading. He said, if I can get smart about geology by reading a book, what else can I get smart about? There are so many examples of people like that. Look at Lute uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, one of our favorite people. Yeah. He grew up in a ghetto. Yeah. And, I mean, and he became a congressman, head of the Republican Party in Texas. I mean, we still want him to run for president. I mean, this is... Yeah, look at, look at Tim the Scott. The opportunities are here. Look at Tim Scott. You know, I mean, Tim look, Scott. We're, we're just pulling out some names out of a hat here because they're well-known people, right? Right. There are people, nobody really outside of their own neighborhood or their own uh, families. You know, families really know of that have excelled because they put their minds to it. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing Carson said, he said, the, the most amazing thing was, he said, I had the same brain when I was stupid that I had <laughs> when I was smart. Yeah. He said it He's was all, guy, Carson. he said yes. it was all about learning that I had the ability. When, once I knew I had the ability, he said, I, I couldn't stop. You have the ability, and he was able to apply the ability. And there's people like that in all walks of life, in every Absolutely. business you can imagine, that are minority people, that, that hustlers like Sharpton say, well, you can't do it on your own. You're incapable. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You can't do it on your own. You have to have DEI. You have to have affirmative action. You have to have the government lower the bar 
so that you can achieve things. Well, that's not achievement. No, it actually creates more victims. And but they know they're doing that. They want the people on the welfare rolls. They want them beholding to the government because then the government has something to hang over their heads. If you achieve something on your own, you're self-reliant. But if you maintain that you are a victim, you will always be reliant on the government. And that's their ultimate goal. Now, I've got more to say about DEI coming up in my uh, commentary next week. Mm -hmm. And, oh boy. You don't want to miss that. That'll be uh, next Tuesday. show. I'll publish it on Monday. This commentary is under the title, DEI is Designed to Fail. And you can find it at my blog, thenationalpatriot.com or rspradio1.com. Either way, you can get the link, and I hope you'll share it everywhere. And just a reminder, we're, we're probably going to pull the plug on this show just a couple of minutes early tonight, and that's okay. But you do not want to miss Friday's show. And why is that, Diane? That's because our special guest will be Murad Zahran, the um, Secretary General of the Jordanian Opposition Coalition, meaning he's opposed to certain things that need opposing to. Yes. And uh, in fact, while we were just on, I got a message from him verifying everything. And uh, it should be a great show. It always is when we have Mudar Zakran on as yes. a guest. It's been too long uh, since he's joined us. But, you know, situations and, and things that have come up have prevented that. But we've got him locked and loaded now for this Friday, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, right here on Right Side Patriots, rspradio1.com. Yes. And if, you, if you're interested at all in what's going on and, and what's going on behind the scenes over in the Middle East, specifically with the Israel-Hamas situation and how other countries like China are affecting that, you mm-hmm. want to be here for Friday night show at 7 o'clock. Yes, you do. All right, Diane, your op-ed over there uh, at the Patriot Factor, pulling out the bag of tricks. My commentary at the National Patriot, DEI is designed to fail. Both can be found at rspradio1.com. That's where you can get the links. That's where you can read them. And that's where you can share the links from. Yes, With that, let's call it a night. Yes, and before we do that, the podcast of this show I will have up tomorrow morning. And with that, nighty-night, folks. Folks, have yourselves a great rest of the week, and we'll catch up with you on a very special show this coming Friday. Bye-bye.